Mr. Harlan Ellison. I'm delighted to be here, and I'm coming to you tonight live from the underground Glitter Palace high atop the Moshe Dalach uh, Hotel here in Upper Los Angeles, bringing you the music of Ramon Rivera and his Snappy Dappy Teeny Bopper Orchestra featuring Ursula Le Guin on lute. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give me witchcraft. You think me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From a little-known Super 8 cinema behind Sam's secondhand zipper shop on sub-level 9 deep in Area 51, welcome to TalkCast... 373, just another reason for people to talk for this edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight, with Extra Kipple, I'm your host, The Dome. Joining me on the TalkCast tonight, the rest of the gang. Well, actually, no, not the rest of the gang. It's going to be me and our violent virtuoso and technical taciturn trouble wrangler, Kriana. And our, uh, <laughs> and our guest. Our guest tonight. As with so many things, it all started with a book. For me, in 1977, the book was A Scanner Darkly. For our guest in 2012, the author of both was Philip Kindred Dick. And our guest on this episode is the mind behind the Philip K. Dick Science Fiction Film Festival in New York City. Please welcome Dan Abella. Dan, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Well, thank, well thanks for having me in. <laughs> because I, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but we've been a big fan of the festival for a couple of years. And one of our good friends on the show uh, had a, uh, a film entered in, in last year's uh, festival, uh, George O'Connor. Okay. And, uh, and it was, it was, it was wonderful for us to, to, to know that he was there, and he just had such great things to say about it. So, Dan. Oh, yeah. It started with it started with a book. It well, yes, yes, it certainly did. It started with a book. Um, basically, uh, um, yeah. Go ahead. Basically, uh, you had read a quote from Ursula K. Le Guin. Right. Comparing the works of, of Philip Dick and uh, Orge Louis Borges. Right. And that prompted you to read Vallis. That's right. What happened? Now, what happened to you? Well, what happened was that, that I, I came across a, an author who wasn't just uh, your typical one-of-the-mill sci-fi writer, but who had a uh, the way the words flowed automatically put me into a different trance, into a trance that I certainly didn't get from reading Asimov or Bradbury and so forth. Um, it was uh, a combination of content. 
and syntax. Phallus, <clears throat> um, for those who haven't read it, it ha it's basically a very it's a auto autobiographical account of Philip K. Dix's experience with a sentient being called Valus, which stands for Vast Active Living Information or Intelligence System. Um, so he, re he writes a book. He writes a novel dealing with that. And uh, as a result of reading the novel, I, I felt this is the person I want to basically use. Uh, this is the spirit that I want to have in a festival where you can have filmmakers from all backgrounds, from all ethnicities, from all regions come under one umbrella and really be able to network and, and truly appreciate and uh, put out the message, you know, a message that dealing, dealing with uh, that the fine lines between science, philosophy, and fiction are really not as uh, fine as they are. They're much more blurry, and sometimes one uh, overlaps with the other. And I find that in Vallis, uh, certainly in Vallis and, and other of his uh, books that he wrote, uh, The Trans uh, Transmigration of Timothy Archer, The Divine Invasion, um, The um, Ubik, and so forth. So uh, it's been a long, very, very rewarding journey for me. It's kind of interesting <clears throat> because on the one hand, you're talking about Philip K. Dick, and on the other hand, you're talking about some of the grandmasters who have been very staid and very locked into a, quote, science fiction, unquote, uh, uh, kind of a right. box where it's just either a space opera or a fantasy romp. And by the time you, you're finished anything by Philip K. Dick, you honestly don't know where you've been. <laughs> Exactly. So I would say Philip K. Dick is a James Joyce of science fiction. And I really mean it very literally. I uh, recently started reading Ubik or rereading Ubik. And sure enough, 15 pages into it, I already feel like I just uh, walked into a pot, uh, into a marijuana or some kind of weed, mind altering environment. And I'm trying to, I'm asking myself, what, what is the nature of the syntax? How are the words combined that create these disorienting effects. It's not just the plot. See, traditional sci-fi might just rely on plot and premise and uh, unusual characters. But there's something in the words and the way the words are used that create the second layer of, uh, of consciousness. And uh, this is why I prefer Philip K. Dick over other uh, more established sci-fi writers. And, and also, sci-fi is not really the kind of sci-fi that relies heavily on your traditional uh, genre, which is uh, expo uh, explorations, colonization, uh, alternative sources of energy, and so forth, is actually kind of low-key, lo-fi sci-fi. <clears throat> Mind powers, uh, telepathy, uh, psychotronic manipulation, uh, all kinds of cool stuff that uh, certainly existed a lot back in the 70s and, and a little bit uh, in the 80s. So uh, I feel that he uh, embodies more than any other writer the kind of awareness, the seeping awareness that's uh, crawling uh, from under the surface these days about the nature of reality, the surveillance world, double talk, Orwellian talk, the the nature of uh, of this. Well, are we in a simulation? Is this a real? This is this is, uh, fake news. Everything that comes up, it's almost like we already stepped into a Philip K. Dick world. 
And uh, for those who are not familiar, that is certainly is a good way a good way to deal with that world by reading his books. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the thing that I found most interesting is that for as many times as anybody has tried to bring one of his stories to the screen, I come away wanting more. It doesn't quite do right. justice visually. Have you found that out as well? What are, you, what are your feelings about some uh, of the movies I think that, that were made about us? Yes, I Certainly, a lot of the films that are made uh, in Hollywood are a very, a very poor adaptation. So the good thing and the bad. The good is that as a result of so many films being adapted from his works, more and more people are learning about Philip K. Dick. The bad thing is if you really want a good film that reflects the spirit uh, of the work, then you might have to look elsewhere. I mean, Scanner Darkly is a perfect example of a fairly good adaptation. Uh, although I could have definitely done without the rotoscoping that was used in the film. Uh, I don't feel, I think that was a little over, over the top, but certainly it's a good, uh, the Adjustment Bureau uh, that came out a few years ago with Matt Damon. Uh, and last yeah. but not least, Radio, that one Radio just Free Album. Me horribly. Oh, it did? Well, mm. I guess it has a certain quality that is, uh, uh, that it can go either way. Uh, Radio Free Albemus is also uh, John Allen Simon. In fact, that was the first feature we premiered at our festival back in 2012. And that's probably the most faithful adaptation of uh, any of his works to date. Which, and I mean, that's the key is that doing a faithful adaptation of any of his works is incredibly difficult because there are so many layers to deal with. There are so many things going on at any one time at so, in, in so many different ways that as a reader, it's easy to get lost. Visually, as an audience, it's almost, uh, it, it's, it's not possible to do what needs to be done on the screen from a book. I don't think anyway. Right. Well, it's certainly there's no, that's why you have books and you have films. They're not supposed to be, they're different mediums and they certainly communicate different levels of awareness. I think that the films do, uh, that communicate the basic themes that run through his work. Uh, what, the nature, what is the nature of reality? Who are we? Uh, what is the difference, the difference between man and cyborg? Uh, what does it mean to be human? Now, certainly these, these are the things that could be explored uh, in uh, in the big screen. Uh, however, we need to we need to first understand that the character in a Philip K. Dick shorter novel is the everyday Joe. He's not some sort of superhero yep. with powers. He's no Tom Cruise, no Arnold Schwarzenegger, no Matt, uh, no uh, Ben Affleck. He's no one like that. He's just an average person who all of a sudden has to deal with the enormity, the weight of all this. And how how is he going to how does he grapple with that? And uh, a lot of his stories don't really end that. They don't really end in a traditional Hollywood sense. There's a kind of an ambiguity that's uh, wondering whether or not it's resolved or not. Uh, so certainly, it, it might an adaptation might work better for the indie, a good indie director. Uh, I would say you got to mm -hmm. first look at the writing. I say the words themselves. 
uh, if you take a script, you should be able to read in the script of, of the adaptation of the PKD novel, be able to right there induce an altered state of awareness. If the script doesn't do it, then yep. it doesn't matter how many effects you throw in. It's not going to be a good, uh, a good rendition of uh, the short or the, uh, or the feature. So in 2012, after reading Vallis, you started to then consume his novels and short stories and then decided to make a film festival that honors not the books, but the concepts behind the things that PKD brought out of his stories. And the best right. way to do that was through mostly through independent films. Exactly. Well, it goes back to 2005. I directed, wrote and directed a movie called The Final Equation. The character is a scientist who discovers a missing piece in Einstein's field equations and receives that information one night through an encryption, through an email. When he enters that information to his equations, all of a sudden, his reality is fragmented. So he starts living in two parallel realities uh, at the same time. So when I wrote and directed the movie, and I loved it, I always loved these kind of themes, it only dawned upon me later on after reading P.K. Dick that this is exactly what's one of his favorite themes, the idea of alternative universes. How solid is reality? How solid is the ground we walk on every day when we go home? Uh, and uh, the mm -hmm. other theme in Final Equation, which also resonates with PKD was that the main character in this feature had lost his uh, um, sister uh, when uh, she was about eight or nine. And, and as a result of the loss, he had a fall from grace, so to speak, became kind of a, a reductionist and only believer in science and any, everything, anything else that was dealing with larger themes, he totally ignored. And in a way, uh, it parallels Philip K. Dix's experience. He, he was a fraternal twin. His, his sister had died. It was a stillborn. And he always felt that there was a part of him that, he had, uh, that had died when she died. And in a lot of the stories, you had the, these uh, um, uh, dark-haired women uh, that appear that are, some of them seem to be uh, gateways to other uh, planes. Others seem to be just partners. So uh, Philip, even some of his wives seem to uh, resemble, or well, kind of a uh, dark, uh, dark hair. So he uh, he certainly uh, thought about his sister a lot, not consciously and unconsciously. So being that there were so many similarities, it only occurred to me, it only made sense to put together a festival that honored his uh, his vision, and um, well, not just only sticking to Philip K. Dick, being able to also be eclectic, being able to welcome works from other writers or from other people who have not read, so, but who haven't read Philip K. Dick, but nevertheless are drawn to those themes that exist in his work. And, uh, and, the, works, and also, the works are outside the mainstream. Yeah. The, the movies are outside the mainstream. The directors and actors, for the large part, are outside the mainstream. And you've given... Exactly them uh, a, a marvelous voice in this festival. 
It's a sci-fi. It is indie sci-fi. So the directors are not afraid of pushing boundaries and expressing themselves uh, through uh, uh, unorthodox means. So we've had a a fairly wide range of approaches uh, to uh, uh, to this festival. So uh, it really is something that uh, I'm always looking for that that one film or that one short that truly. uh, crystallizes, epitomizes the, the spirit of the day, of the time. And, uh, you know, on year one, uh, we actually had uh, a great film, which is it was maybe because it was one of the first shorts I watched, but I, I have a special fondness for that. And the name of the film is uh, uh, Henry, H, uh, capital H, I believe it's no, uh, lowercase H-E-N-R-I. And uh, it had Cure Dulay, from 2001, and Margot Kidder. You remember her, oh, right? Back in the wow, 70s. absolutely. Yeah, she, yeah, I hadn't seen anything by her in years, and there she was in a short, and, um, and it was a great. It's about basically an AI that realizes that he's aware. Everybody in the... <clears throat> basically, the story is about this uh, uh, marooned ship that's heading towards the sun, or towards some kind of star, and, and it's about to crash into the star so in the final moments before it crashes this ai system which is this cyborg becomes aware of itself through the eyes of cure delay and begins to reconstruct memories and that final consciousness emerges right before the starship crashes into the um, into the star and beautiful beautiful film. We have other films that were also over the course of of the few of these years that are, they're really uh, they stick out. They're really great uh, representation of his uh, of his uh, of his work. You know, the, and, and this year, for the, instance, the we, thing we that your one, festival's been able to do yeah. is oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. We have one film called Ayla. And the story is very interesting because it's about a young man who lost his sister 30 years ago and is still obsessed with her. And one day this young woman appears. He actually finds this woman somewhere and he's convinced that that's his sister and based upon certain uh, indications and, and how his life changes afterwards and how he becomes obsessed and it's certainly is one of the themes explored by the movie. Well, it turns out that the director uh, has a, it's a personal story to that. He actually had lost his sister years ago. And it, this, in, a, in a way, this was a tribute to that kind of longing. Uh, and the director wasn't aware about PKD's own uh, loss. So in a way, it all fits together. I mean, uh, it's, an, it's an interesting how there's a certain connection that's uh, <clears throat> nonverbal that takes place. Uh, when we receive these films uh, at this festival, so you get you send out uh, on the website an open invitation for submissions, right. and I can imagine that they come barreling in at you far more than you can show in any one three day festival. Uh, do you have a, a board of people that that kind of vets them? Do you sit down all together in a room? I mean, if it was me, and I had the chance to see all these sci-fi films, I would grab a couple of great bottles of wine, and just sit there for like 
three or four weekends in a row and watch every damn one of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, yes, I do have a group of programmers, and that many some of them do that. Some of them will actually uh, geek out for a weekend and watch like 40 shorts, and they'll give me feedback. on what, uh, Others do so uh, more incrementally. Uh, what I usually like to do is after we receive all the recommendations, the yes, the maybes, and the no's, then I go ahead and watch every single recommendation. And then from there, we finally uh, we come to some kind of a decision as to uh, which are the films that are uh, that represent uh, the the spirit uh, at this uh, juncture in time. Uh, the result of this is that is that usually. After the festival, I'm in no shape to watch any sci-fi films. I've seen so many uh, that I, people say, "Well, have you watched Annihilation?" or "Have you watched, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, what's that carbon uh, that series, uh, Black Mirror?" Or no, I haven't. I'm spending too much time watching the films for the festival, so I get You're around to out. it eventually. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, especially if you so, got to watch it through uh, a set of fresh eyes. You don't want to watch mm -hmm. something feeling jaded and cynical and burnt out because that's, you know, so much work goes into making these films. Um, I hate to see when people spend a lot of time and money and you hear them I read about some of the mortgage in their homes and, and the film is not that good because they didn't spend enough time writing a good story. So uh, we mentioned, we emphasize the need for good writing, good plot, good premise above your special effects. Uh, above these fancy Michael uh, Michael Bay style effects, which actually today with today's technology, some film I've seen some filmmakers do that, and, it's, and they get away with it. It's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, um, I, I've spent uh, since last week. I've spent a lot of time uh, looking at the festival program, and I'm just blown away by it i i don't i don't understand why i haven't heard of 90 percent of these films and i don't understand why one of the pay channels or like netflix or something doesn't run this film festival that would be the coolest thing in the world a month after the festival That's ends true. to have netflix run the damn thing yeah, well, that's something that actually I've discussed with my uh, partners uh, at some point approaching Netflix and, uh, and seeing they'd be interested in doing a uh, kind of an indie sci-fi event that features these shorts. It certainly would give some of these uh, directors more exposure. Um, Absolutely, most of these yeah. Films you're seeing, yeah, especially shorts. Mostly, there's very little, there are very few platforms for shorts. So if a short comes and goes, you know, yeah, do you catch it? Maybe it'll go on Vimeo, and that's it. That's it. not much of a life uh, cycle. Um, features have a sometimes they're good; they can get picked up by some uh, small distributor. So a lot of the shorts, they really uh, you gotta catch them at festivals. You can't just uh, wait to get, because they won't go to video because they're not. Uh, it's just there isn't enough of a profit to make them into a. Uh, digital files or streaming and so on. So the festival is still the venue where you get uh, to see these uh, uh, these works. Uh, you know, and this year's festival, we're certainly uh, covering a wide range of themes. So uh, we have something called Extreme Cinema, 
were uh, very irreverent, uh, extremely powerful, shocking, jarring kind of sci-fi slash uh, horror. Um, the type of you would see from, say, Gaspar Noé or, or maybe uh, Alexander Aha or some of these other uh, uh, directors. Uh, then you have your more traditional sci-fi, which focuses on space travel, time travel, uh, loops, and, 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 and then you got more uh, divisionary sci-fi, more altered states, uh, trans uh, states of consciousness, uh, sci-fi that questions and challenges the nature of reality. We got animations. You know, that's the um, Sunday morning block. Uh, we got um, get some great documentaries, which uh, it's always been uh, uh, something I'm really proud of because through the documentaries, we get to explore the farther edges of reality. Uh, and we've had documentaries dealing with time travel. And usually inviting scientists who are actually respectable tenure professors who are working on that. Uh, and great stories. Uh, last year we had a, a, a the panel remote viewing, the first remote viewing, uh, they actually had a uh, Jacques Vallée, whose um, character was uh, based, uh, played by uh, Truffaut in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The ah. kind of scientist, and the scientist was Jacques Vallée. So he was there talking about, you know, UFOs, talking about remote viewing, uh, his experiences, and so on. So people will say, well, this is not sci-fi. I said, look, these distinctions, you've got to get rid of these distinctions. We live in a sci-fi world. Uh, and uh, the idea, it's interesting, I find sometimes people who write about sci-fi don't believe in anything they write about. So you'll have people <laughs> who they write, about, they write about UFOs. Well, yes, well, they you believe they exist. No, no, no. Because they're afraid. They're, they're not, they don't want to cross that boundary and truly get into the inner reality of the what these... Uh, themes um, represent. Uh, there, and Philip K. Dick, however, was an exception. See, Philip K. Dick, uh, for those who are not familiar, did have a series of very powerful mystical experiences uh, back in 1974. And so the, some people will say, well, I don't really read those books, the ones he wrote after that experience. I, mean, I, I like to prefer the ones in the 60s. But he, even he was quoted saying that everything that he wrote about ultimately led to Valis, everything. And it's not just trying to uh, uh, revisit uh, um, his, uh, his old short stories. It's actually, if you look at those short stories through the eyes of Valis, you begin to realize there are many components that are there. So it's almost like he was writing stories, and back in 74, he had a... Uh, an actual living experience of that, of that, of that reality he had been writing for 30 years. So, um, it's, uh, and that's actually, uh, it's happened with a few writers over the course of, over the course of a few of, uh, of time. Uh, Robert Anton Wilson, who was a, a good friend of Philip K. Dick. And I had the chance to, uh, to know, to, uh, talk to, also wrote about his own experiences back in the early 70s. And coincidentally, um, Dennis McKenna, who is a, it was a brother of Terence McKenna, the two of them basically were pioneers in the exploration of altered states of consciousness. So before people talked about DMT and, <clears throat> and other 
and ayahuasca, they were, they were there in the Peruvian looking for these substances and seeing, and apparently they, they, they report having an encounter with some sort of sentient being. Uh, now you could say, well, that's just a drug induced, uh, uh, state, which might very well be the case. Uh, however, other writers also talk about that experience. Uh, they, I, I'd like to, I prefer to refer to these experiences as connecting with the archetypes. So, uh, and so, good sci-fi connects us with these archetypes. That's why they're, it's all connected. It's all part of the whole story. It's not trying to <clears throat> compartmentalize sci-fi and, well, this is sci-fi and this is documentary and this is a narrative. We make it very clear in the festival what is sci-fi and what's not, but the experience that you take away from that is uh, one that has no real, of a reality that is far more amorphous than uh, people would pretend to be. And in the same way that Philip Wright wrote in a very layered texture, uh, the festival carries that same kind of layered texture as well. In, in every one of the blocks that you have at, at the Village East Cinema in, in the city, uh, it could be seven or eight short films or one or two kind of mid-range films. And in a couple of cases, it is a full-length film uh, that are all have not necessarily the same themology, but they work with each other in some fairly incredible ways that that I would I would kill to see that animation block because it just looks amazing. Yeah, the animation block is really good. It's uh, it, it, it first of all it's uh, from different countries. We have one from um, I think Kosovo or Bosnia, one of those uh, former Yugoslavian. Uh, uh, we have from uh, Japan. We have from uh, France, we have from Israel, we have from all over. And very interesting, very interesting. They all have different approaches and different types of documentary, of, uh, of animation. And they use animation to truly, to explore these issues. Um, uh, for, for instance, one of them is, is, this is the animation that's, uh, I think, out of uh, Serbia. It's called... Uh, astronaut of a featherweight and it's basically a 22 minute very psychedelic trippy exploration of a of a hyper hyper capitalist world where everything has been commoditized um and uh it's uh the characters are pretty much drifting through space and trying to figure out how do they how to get back to uh how to get back to earth very trippy very interesting. So then you have the robots, and you have the a group of uh, of uh, wise men who are exploring uh, the universe in search for a planet called Earth. Uh, you know, so yeah, animation is a good place. It's a good place to start. It certainly is a very it's a time of the day when you, you know you can just kick back, grab some popcorn, and just enjoy the show. At the same time that you're running nearly uh, constantly, you are also uh, have a second viewing venue at the Museum of the Moving Image in Queens. Uh, what right. made you do that? 
Well, I think the museum moving image is a very futuristic, has a very futuristic uh, design, and I thought that that would be a nice um, break for those who want to spend a couple, one one day maybe at the Village East Cinema and one day at the Museum of the Moving Image. Uh, in addition to that, uh, for the the price of the movie admission, you also go to you go to other levels and you get to see costumes. You even see there's actually a replica of the uh, I believe the uh, Tyler uh, Corporation. You know the main corporation in Blade Runner. Um, mm-hmm. A very small Terrell. replica of that. So it's Terrell. That's right. With uh, it rhymes with Purell, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a replica of that, and I think anyone who isn't into sci-fi should go there at least once. It's, it's absolutely it's all white, all the whole inside outside. It's just the thing is just absolutely uh, enthralling. It's a great experience. So I thought it would be an opportunity to uh, mix it up a little bit. And we too have some major One of the great things- features. Yeah, one of them is Ayla, which I mentioned earlier, and the other one yeah. is The Child Remains, which is more of a supernatural thriller, uh, and uh, based actually on true events that took place uh, about a hundred years ago. One of the things that the PKD Festival has spawned uh, has also been a European version that has uh, happened in France, Poland, and Germany. Uh, do you go out there for those? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What is it? Do I what? Do you go to those festivals? The I, ones, I uh, do. In Europe? Yes, I do. I do. Um, as long as I can, yes. I actually have uh, so far been to uh, the two festivals. I have partners in each uh, city. We usually do them in in uh, Cologne and uh, Lille and uh, more recently in Poland. Uh, Poland has a, uh, they really do appreciate Poland. They they have a contemporary, uh, Stanislav Lem, who wrote uh, very positively of Philip K. Dick. And uh, the two of them had to share some very uh, similar uh, ideas about uh, storytelling. And then uh, thematic explorations. So yes, I mean, so far, uh, uh, they re- wherever wherever we do our festivals, people love it. I mean, I actually, when uh, back in December, I was invited to go to the Białostok, a small little town of the eastern eastern Poland. So I uh, got there. One night was uh, opening night was in Białostok, and the second night was in this little village. Uh, literally three miles away, three kilometers away from uh, uh, Belarus, um, Russia, you know. And uh, it was a village of maybe 100 people. That's what, that's all, 100 people. And everybody all gathered in this little, this one, um, uh, I guess, uh, village hall or assembly hall center. All ages, we, it was a great experience, you know, had a, Mm-hmm. Chance to try their own uh, homemade vodka, and so it was. It was certainly a a good, uh, <laughs> different, very different from uh, presenting the film uh, in in big cities. I was going to say there there has to be a whole different feeling when you take the concepts 
of, of what you're doing in New York and move it to uh, France or Poland or Germany. Uh, and I, I would be, you know, I'm sure that the audience uh, comes to it in, in a whole different feeling than an American audience does. Yes, I mean, a lot of those, uh, Philip K. Dick really, even though he never, he only traveled to France once, felt that he had a real strong affinity to uh, European culture. Uh, I think they were more prepared, at least at that time, to accept and appreciate his writings than the American. Uh, you know, um, and certainly uh, whatever, wherever we go, uh, there's a real appreciation for his work. Um, European cinema doesn't focus so much on superheroes. Uh, the, the more the, the focus is more on the average person, maybe because they don't have the budget that Hollywood does, or they don't have the actors, but more, usually the films tend to be more personal. And that's why they do like the kind of films that we uh, take there, because they are dealing with, uh, usually with characters who are struggling in, uh, to remain, uh, to retain their dignity in a world that's more... Uh, dehumanized with every passing year. Now, on Sunday, this Sunday, you're going to have an awards ceremony uh, after the right. after day three of the festival ends uh, on Sunday evening. What, how do you give an award? What, what are the different categories? Is it by features? Is it, you know, best short, best documentary, best long form? What are you looking for? Yeah, we have about we got about ten categories, nine or ten. Uh, we have uh, best uh, uh, best sci-fi feature. Uh, we have best Philip K. Dick short, best horror short, best uh, science fiction short, um, best um, documentary, uh, best virtual reality uh, piece. Um, we have. Uh, Best uh, horror feature. Um, we'll have an audience feature. I mean, best uh, best audience or uh, favorite audience uh, award. Uh, we also have one that's called Backers Award, where when we did our crowdfunding, we give people an opportunity, a small group who uh, supported us, to watch a film and, and choose among themselves which is the one that they really um, they prefer the most. Um, we have uh, so all in all, there must be about ten categories, you know, in that. Uh... This, <clears throat> you know, if if I lived in New York City, I would be there all three days. <laughs> no question about it. And uh, there's got to be a way for the rest of the country to be able to see this stuff. And I'll work on that with you because it needs to happen. But. Uh, Every year now for, this is year six, isn't it? This is year six. That's correct. Wow. Wow. And but the first know, year was just... There, there, the first year was New York. I mean, it's always been New York, but there's also a possibility that we might be taking the festival to uh, the West Coast real soon. So it would be both both in New York and the West Coast? No, no. One year might be L.A. Ah. And, uh, you know, it, we're right now talking and 
um, some people. Most of the filmmakers whom we who submit to us are from L.A., the West Coast. Very few from mm-hmm. New York. The cost of film production in New York and and just putting together a film and a crew and it, it, it seems to be more of an issue here in the city than in L.A. So uh, it would certainly be easier to put it together. Um, certainly I've been talking to the town where Philip K. Dick lived. We might even do it there, but not in L.A. proper. So Orange County. Um, so uh, it certainly uh, is a strong possibility. Plus, we know all the stars are there, so... So we're not really fixing New York indefinitely. We'll see how things uh, uh, work out every year. The key is to have a home base, so that whether it be New York, LA, and then uh, we'll have these little screenings or festivals in other parts of the world as long as they uh, want us. What, what, if you could put your finger on it, what's the biggest surprise this year? the festival of, of all the stuff you've all, okay, all so the stuff the that you surprise, looked for and curated uh the biggest surprise were the features uh usually we have features that are uh, decent but not great and we certainly don't have too many features with well-known stars um as world premieres and that's uh that really took me by surprise we have Alterscape with Michael Ironside and Frank Baker. We have mm-hmm. um, uh, The Quest, uh, The Wanderers, The Quest of the Demon Hunter, starring Armin Asante. Uh, it's a U.S. premiere, and Armin will be uh, scheduled to attend. Uh, we got Black Wake, which is more of a horror, supernatural, um, zombie kind of a thriller. And a whole bunch of different actors are coming in. Uh, Chuck Zito, Vincent Pastore, Johnny Bouchon. Um, we even have uh, a classic icon from the 70s, Melvin Van Peebles, who stars in a really crazy oh, yes. psychedelic film called Methane Mama. <laughs> and it's, uh, I mean, I think he, Melvin actually turned out, he was actually in a, in a sci-fi film called The Last Action Hero. Is there, uh, yes, it was. But other than that, he really ha- he hasn't spent too much time in sci-fi. But it was good to. He's in his mid eighties. So I hope he can. He's scheduled to make it. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Uh, so the lineup, this yeah. year's lineup, it's really uh, impressive. So the features were great, and of course, Ayla and the child and the child remains are also uh, great acting, great performances for features. That's a real challenge. And, um, Absolutely. and of yes, course, yeah. the shorts were really uh, 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 predictably uh, great. I mean, we always have some good stuff that uh, that really resonates. And uh, we have some good uh, documentaries as well. So, But the single most important the, uh, was the features, the good number of features. That, and some that we actually had to turn down because we just wasn't enough space to have features in this uh, small festival. For a small festival, it's like a short story by Philip K. Dick in that (laughs) there's so much there that it just becomes amazing to try and deal with it. Dan, I can't thank you enough for joining us tonight. Our guest tonight has been Dan Abella. He is the director of the Philip K. Dick Science Fiction Film Festival in New York City. 
happening this weekend. Be there if you can. If not, I hope that we find it somewhere on Netflix or something like that. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of CreditCon, Keen Comic Con, Books and Boots.com, Comic Art House. Please visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals. Original art with dozens of your favorite artists. At the free moment, take a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, Michael, and their family. Amazon, Barnes, Morning's coming in the coming week. The exciting development, my peculiar the hunt for Curly's gold. Our provided by robots. Amazing stuff. Our stuff I know.